do turn in your uh, Bibles to the Gospel of John. John 16, found on page 1072. John 16, starting at verse 16. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of the disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. You will not see me, and then you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrowed because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have your joy. So also you have your sorrow now, um, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I ran across this story some years ago. Paul Harvey said it was true, but I'll let you be the judge of that. Chirpy the parakeet never saw it coming. One minute he was peacefully perched inside his cage. The next minute he was gone. His problems began when his owner, a little old grandma, decided to vacuum out the birdcage. Apparently she stuck the vacuum attachment into the cage to suck up all that stuff. Um, But then she got a phone call, and the phone was right next to the birdcage. So instead of turning the vacuum off, she just reached over, answered the phone, and said, I can't talk to you now. And when she turned back to the cage, Chirpy was gone. So she did what we would all do. We checked the vacuum cleaner bag, and sure enough, there was poor Chirpy in the bag, kind of stunned. So Chirpy, being covered with dirt and all kinds of grime, and and the little grandma, she was a a very responsible pet owner, she ran the little parakeet down to the bathroom and put him under some running water so that it would be clean. But grandma didn't realize that the water was really cold, and so now Chirpy just went through that awful experience of going through the vacuum, and now he's shivering. And again, because this was a loving grandma and just loved her bird, she did what anyone would do. She got the blow dryer and she blasted poor Chirpy so that he could dry off. Later, when a family member asked about the bird, the little old lady said, "Uh, I don't know, Chirpy just doesn't sing anymore. (laughs) He just sits there and stares. Mm. I bet he did. 
Maybe this morning you can kind of relate to poor Chirpy. Maybe life has been a little tough lately. Things just haven't been going well. It's been one thing after another. For some, it might be your job or difficulty paying your bills, maybe trouble with your marriage, with your family, some relationship in your life. Or maybe it's because there was a death and you're having trouble getting through it because that person meant so much to you. When you go through hard times like this, it's easy to lose your song, kind of like poor Chirpy did. And so... When you hear Jesus say in verse 22 that no one will take your joy from you, maybe some of you were thinking, yeah, right. My joy's disappeared a long time ago. For some of you, joyful would probably not be the word you'd use to describe yourself. You know, we often speak of joy as an emotion, but... And it is. I mean, it can be at times something that we don't have a lot of control over, but I think joy really is very much more than just a feeling. Joy is a choice, and we need to remember that. Joy is more than just a feeling. It is a feeling, but it's more than that. It's a choice, and we can choose to walk in joy or we can walk without it. You know, our lives are f- fragile, aren't they? Everything's fragile about us. Our bodies, our finances, our home, our children. We're fragile people. And we clearly need the Lord. It's so easy to be happy one day and then to, the next day to just have things start falling apart around you can be quite a surprise. Jesus says we're like the flowers of the field. One day we're, we're growing and healthy and beautiful and glorious. And the next day we wither and we die. Our health is fragile, marriages, jobs, everything about us. And when you're struggling like this, joy often seems just as fragile. In fact, it seems often outside of our reach. So when Jesus promises us in our text that no one will ever take this joy from you, it almost seems too good to be true, doesn't it? It almost seems like one of those promises, well, yeah, I guess we've got to wait till we get to heaven. Then we'll experience that, that true joy. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Yes, we'll experience that joy forever. It is an eternal joy, but it also means we're going to experience it even now as we live our lives. Too often we look to the world to give us that lasting joy that only God can. You ever seen, I, I, I probably mention this a lot, but it always strikes me. When you see commercials on TV, everybody's smiling. They're buying all kinds of stuff they really don't need, and they're just smiling away. They're so happy, and it, it presents this picture of, If you buy this product, you're going to be happy. You're going to be joyful. We all want that, right? So we buy it and, yeah, we're not any happier. And if you don't believe this, that money can't buy happiness, just wait until your credit card bill gets real high and then you learn real quick. I think that's that's something that every couple needs to learn. 
You really don't need all that stuff. Only, only the Lord can fill that emptiness inside us and, and give us the joy and the love that, that we so desperately desire. So how can you get a hold of some of this, this lasting joy that Jesus is talking about? I guess that's the question that, that I want to try to answer this morning. And according to Jesus, this joy is something real and attainable. When Jesus says to, this, to the disciples, your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you, this is right before he was crucified. Actually, the day before. And as Jesus talks to his disciples, he knows they're confused about what he's been talking about. They don't understand it because they don't have a clear understanding of who he is as the Messiah. Look at verse 18. Disciples were asking each other, what, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. You're going back to the Father? What, what, what do you mean? So in verse 20, Jesus gives the disciples this answer. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your sorrow will turn to joy. And then Jesus gives this incredible promise. No one will take your joy from you. And the way he says this in the Greek, he's guaranteeing that this joy will always be ours, will always be available. It's not something we have to wait for in eternity, though it will be ours in, in complete fullness, but it's something that we can experience even now as we live our lives. Christians should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth, right? But are they? Not always. Sometimes I think we for, forget all that we have in Christ Jesus. We forget how blessed we are. We forget that we've got Jesus, the most important thing in all the world. And so how do you invite more of this joy then into your life? And I want to give you two uh, simple ways that are right out of our text. First, experiencing true joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Experiencing true joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Listen to how Oswald Chambers puts this truth. Joy is the great note all through the Bible. We have the notion of joy that arises from good spirits and good health, but the miracle of the joy of God has nothing to do with man's life or his circumstances or the condition he is in. Jesus Christ does not come to a man and say, cheer up. No, he plants within a man the miracle of the joy of God's own nature. And so it's not just something that happens to us that makes us joyful. But it comes through who we are in Jesus Christ. Oswald, says, Oswald Chambers says it's more than just a, a, a feeling. It's more than something that's just based on our circumstances. But it's rooted in Christ Jesus. Whether you're in a prison cell or hospital, at home, at work, rich or poor, healthy or unhealthy, these things don't determine your joy. Life circumstances do not determine our joy. 
Because the joy we're talking about here is something deeper that is ours to claim no matter what we're going through, no matter what our lives look like. I know when we were living in New Mexico, there was a woman I often visited. Her name was Rose. When I was introduced to Rose, she had been in bed already for uh, some seven years. She was uh, in this little tiny community way off the the beaten path. Um, She rarely had visitors. I don't know why, but she was such a sweet woman. And so I started to try to go there almost every week or every other week. Now Rose... She had only been out of bed in that previous seven years, I think just a handful of times when she went to the doctor or something like that. But otherwise, she laid in that bed day after day after day. It was okay while she could see, but then the Lord gave her terrible cataracts. And because of her health, she couldn't get those fixed. So after a while, she couldn't even see at all. And so she sat and laid in that bed day after day after day. And yet every time I went to visit her, she was the most joyful person that I've ever experienced. You just had to look at her and just see and imagine what it must be like to just lay there and lay there and just be able to listen to your radio. That's it. She only had one son, and he wasn't around that much. What a, 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 a difficult experience, life situation. I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And yet she never complained. I often gave her opportunities. How are you feeling? Well, you must be a little down. I lead in questions like that. Nope, she never bit. God is good. God has blessed me. What makes that possible? Clearly it wasn't based on her circumstances. No one could be happy in a situation like that. No, her joy was rooted in something deeper. It was rooted in Jesus Christ. Habakkuk was saying, even if God sends him suffering and loss, he would still rejoice in God. How's that possible? Even if he experienced suffering and loss, he would still rejoice. Well, it's possible because Habakkuk saw things through the eyes of faith. He not only believed that God would be there and supply all his needs, no matter what path that God asked, asked him to take, but also that God would never, God would accomplish his purposes, whether it was plenty or, or, or little. God would be faithful. Habakkuk stood on that promise. And so did David. How many times do we read in the Psalms the trust that he had, the joy that, that filled him? Listen to Psalm 21, verse 6, where it's kind of a, um, the congregation is um, praying on behalf of the king, and then you hear the king, and, and sometimes you'll have to read that chapter. But in, in verse 6, it's the, act, the congregation who's actually praying to the Lord, and listen to what they say. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. They're talking about King David. So where is that joy found? It's in the presence of God. In God's presence. And that's my second point. True lasting joy can only be found when we walk with the Lord. 
In our text, when Jesus tells the disciples they will grieve and mourn, clearly he's referring to his death. That's just about to happen. Jesus says to them, yes, it's going to be painful. It's going to be the kind of separation that hurts. It's not going to be easy going through this, but yet my resurrection will turn all that pain and sorrow into joy. To help the disciples understand what he was talking about, Jesus uses the analogy of childbirth, which is really, uh, when you think through this, this illustration, it, it really captures what, what he's talking about. A woman is pregnant, and there's a baby within her womb. And the, the baby couldn't be more comfortable. It's safe and warm. There, there's a closeness between mom and the baby that us dads, we can't even begin to understand. But a day comes when the contractions start. And as the separation and breaking free begins, so does the pain. In fact, the pain is so incredible Bill Cosby, I think he described it as somebody taking your lip and putting it all the way over your head. That's what it's like to have a baby. I think us guys understand it a little bit when we have a really bad cold and we're just sitting there and it's, it's hard. Your wife's not home or something. I mean, it's tough to go through times like that. Actually, we have no clue what that's all about. <laughs> but Jesus says this is what it's going to be like. For you and me, to the disciples. Just like a a mother will go through labor and it's terrible and it's painful, but yet then afterwards when she's holding that little baby in her arms and it's so precious and it's hers, it's her husband's, and it's just beautiful. Seeing the tiny fingers and and the tiny face and you forget all about that previous pain, don't you? I remember after we had our first a year later, my wife says, let's have another. I'm like, what? <laughs> Don't you remember? Don't you remember all the sleepless nights? Don't you remember how much it hurt? Don't you remember the diapers? And, and honey, how can you say that? Oh, let's have another. And so we had another, and another, and another. It's amazing how you forget, isn't it? I think us dads, we remember a little too much, but... I think eventually we forget too. And once that baby is there, it's just a a thing of joy. That's how it is for our relationship with Christ. That's how it was for the disciples. They're going to grieve. They're going to be, it's going to be devastating for them. Their Their whole world is going to be pulled out from under them. But Jesus says, but just wait. Because he's coming back. I will be with you again. He says that to him three times. I will be with you again. And the fourth time, he talks about how he desires to be with them. We don't often think of it. We think of it more as that's our desire. We really want to be with God, but he wants to be with us too. That's, that's why he put Adam and Eve in the garden. To have fellowship with them. To have fellowship with us. But 
sin devastated all that, as we know. And we see a fulfillment of, of that verse about a woman having a baby and, and being pulled away and yet receiving it again in a closer way than, than she did before. We also see the, we see the fulfillment of that in chapter 20, verse 20. Disciples are in the upper room. They're probably scared. They're still weeping that Jesus is, is gone. Verse 20 says, After this he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. That word overjoyed, it's the same word that's being used here in our passage. It's the same word. And you will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. When you're close to God, when you're walking hand in hand, when He's a part of your life, you're going to experience His love. That love will fill you, and as that love fills you, so does this overwhelming sense of joy. It bubbles up inside. It should in every believer. Things of this world, they can't do that for us. You can fill your your homes with lots of clutter, lots of things, but will that make you happy? Of course not. Only Jesus can. And the joy he offers us is a joy that can't be taken from us. We often think this joy is so dependent on our circumstances, but again, it's not. This joy is found anywhere that the Lord is. And when we're walking with him, when we're intimate with him, that joy will be yours. It's also why Jesus said he had to return to the Father so that the Holy Spirit could come. Why? So that they could be closer to Jesus, closer than they were before, through the Holy Spirit, through the working of the Spirit. This is the inexpressible and glorious joy that First Peter talks about. This is what we experience in Jesus. And as we grow in Christ and in His love, as we walk with Him, the joy, it comes. It will fill you. It will overflow from you, actually. And this is the joy and the love that you can share with those around you. Over and over in Scripture, heaven is described as being a place of joy. Why? Why is it so joyful there? Because God is there. That's why it's joyful. I hope it fills you with great anticipation as, as you think about this, as you think about what awaits us. In Galatians 5.22, Paul reminds us that one of the fruit of the Spirit is, is joy. As we experience the love of Christ and we're filled with joy, we in turn can offer this fruit to others. That's when that joy hangs from the branches of your life, that others can come and be refreshed. Experience that joy, experience that love. can point their eyes heavenward. But in order for this joy to flow out of our lives, we've got to cultivate it. We've got to work on this. And that's what Jesus says in John 15.10. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remained in his love. I have told you this 
so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. So when you obey my commandments, remain in my love, keep your eyes focused on me, Jesus is saying, not only does the love flow, but that joy just flows and bubbles over from your life. Matthew 22, Jesus tells a a parable about really experiencing God's joy. And it's the framework of it is um, a wedding. And so a king invites his friends and neighbors to a great banquet, a wedding feast. The king is so excited about his son getting married, he wants everyone he knows to join in and experience that joy with him. And so there's this huge wedding and this huge feast. This culture, there's a lot of joy expressed at weddings. Wedding would often last a couple days and there'd be dancing and feasting and and singing and this was a celebration. It's really something we're going to be celebrating very soon, isn't it? When Jesus, our bridegroom, returns to take us home, his church, to be with him forever. What a reason to celebrate this morning. But despite the joy that the king was inviting all his friends and neighbors to to experience, to be part of, people began to come up with excuses as to why they couldn't come. Despite other, the master wanting others to experience that joy, the, apparently the people thought they had a better way of filling their lives with joy and contentment. And so then, you know the story, all those excuses, I cannot come. People thought that that's what made them happy. That's what would bring them joy, and it's a lie. Happiness is only found in the Lord. And so then the king invites everyone from the streets, from the alleyways. He invites them to come because he wants them to experience his joy that his son is getting married. But verse 11 says that when the king came to look at his guests, he saw that there was one who wasn't wearing the wedding clothes that he gave to them because he invited just everyone off the street most of those people wouldn't have fancy clothes and so he even dresses them he provides the clothes that they would come to the wedding in well one person didn't do that he just came in his normal clothes you might remember that story then the king casts him out where there's weeping and darkness he could have no part in that celebration Because he wasn't willing to cover himself with Jesus, with his righteousness. But he stood there on his own, in his own righteousness. And we know that no one can can stand before God like that. Do you know anyone like this? Do you know anyone like this? Maybe this might even describe you this morning. Despite God's invitation, despite the wedding clothes that he's given to us, what kind of excuses have you been coming up with? 
that keep you from spending time with God, that keep you from going to church on Sunday, that keep you from having devotions, that keeps you from spending time in prayer. If we truly believe that only Jesus can fill us in a way that we so desire, fill us to overflowing with that love and joy, then why aren't we taking advantage of it? Or do we, maybe we don't even recognize it, but we've really bought into the lies of the world that happiness is found out there. And that's why we fill our lives and our days with with that instead of turning to the Lord and remembering that it's that relationship with Christ. That's what satisfies. That's what makes us content. Jesus alone is the only one that can give us true joy. And we need to remember that. Christ promises to each of you that he will give you everlasting joy. If he's called you to be his child, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, this promise is yours to claim. Everlasting joy that's ours even now. Then even if you have a poor day like Chirpy, things aren't going right, you can still rejoice because your God is there and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Mother Teresa once called joy the net of love by which you can catch souls. Let me read that again. Joy is the tent of love by which you can catch souls. You ever known somebody who's really joyful? Aren't you just drawn to them? Their happiness? Especially when it's a believer and you know that where they're drawing their joy from. May this be true for each of us. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your gift of love, for the gift of joy that is now ours through Christ Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, when we hold on to the things of this world thinking that somehow they're going to satisfy us. When all along we know the truth, you alone can. And so, Lord, help us see through the devil's lies and open our eyes so that we might remember that you alone can fill that emptiness inside us. And as you do, fill us. And we overflow with your love and joy. We just pray that others will be encouraged, that others will, will know that you, that you are there, that you love them, and that you have a plan for their lives as well. Open our eyes, Lord, again, to see the harvest all around us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.